Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Because we're breaking into the context of Romans chapter 8, I'd like to set a little table for you uh, so that when we get to that section, we will be able to more fully comprehend what's going on. Romans 8 is one of the more exhaustive sections in the New Testament concerning uh, the Holy Spirit and his working through the triune Godhead. Um, as, we, as we look at this uh, section of Romans, you need to recognize that uh, the Holy Spirit is n- mentioned 19 times in some 38 passages. God wants us to know something about his blessed person of the Holy Spirit. So <clears throat> we want to recognize that as the Spirit of God, meaning the Holy Spirit, as the Spirit of God, he is co-equal and coexistent with the Father and with the Son. And he has his function from, from uh, the beginning of time, before there was time, from uh, the beginning to the ending of all things. The Holy Spirit is, in fact, part of the work of God. He's mentioned in the Old Testament briefly, uh, very briefly in the Old Testament in a few different sections of the scriptures. However, it's not... He that receives the work of ministry in the Old Testament, per se, it's the Father that receives all the glory of the Old Testament. Our Lord Jesus Christ gave his disciples information concerning this blessed Holy Spirit in the Gospels. Uh, We see them centered primarily in John 14 and 16. There are other references as well. For example, in John chapter 14, The Lord Jesus said, the Father will send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and he will abide with you forever. Letting letting his disciples know the Spirit of God is coming. There's something, there's a person called the Spirit of God. And almost as uh, uniquely as the disciples were sitting there pondering these things, uh, the Lord Jesus said, the Father will send the Comforter, he will abide with you forever. The world cannot receive him. They do not know him, but you know him, for presently he dwells among you. Then he will be in you. What a verse of scripture. He'll be in you. And I'm, I'm sure the, the, this information is just boggling the minds of, of these disciples as they sit round about him. There could have been as many as a hundred there. We do not know that. But we recognize that they, they're receiving this new information that is completely new to their, to their thinking. And what the Lord Jesus says to them, this next passage in John chapter 14, to me just would lift the top of my head off. He says, in that day, the day that he comes, you will know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Think about that. The triune Godhead will dwell in you to the glory of God the Father. You don't have a a spirit of weakness. You have the spirit of the living God dwelling in you. He spoke and it stood still. He commanded and it was there. You have the creator God dwelling within you. And all the power and resources of his glory, all of it belongs to you via the Spirit of God. It's not a spirit of weakness. You make it weak. It's a spirit of power, the scriptures tell us. The Lord Jesus said in John chapter 16, after the, 
after the Savior was crucified, that is, after he was buried and after he ascended into glory, he said the Spirit would be uh, the, the permanent member of the Godhead functioning here on earth. So the Father had his ministry in the Old Testament. The Son has his ministry in the Gospels. And now the Spirit will have his ministry in the church. But all three are co-equal and co-existent together, all functioning together, but there's a preeminence of one in the particular dispensation in which we dwell. And so in John chapter uh, 16 and verse uh, verse 7, for example, he says, and when the Spirit has come, he will convince or convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. He will only work in his believers, but the world will know that there's a God, and one day they will stand before that God and give account for the things done. The, the entire world will know that. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus said, when he comes, he will not speak of himself. He will speak of me, me. He will, he will give us, he will illuminate you and I that we will understand the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the free gift of salvation that has been given unto us. His ministry came in Acts chapter 2 and, and verse 1, what we would call the day of Pentecost, his ministry on earth. It has lasted 2,000 years. It could stop tomorrow with the translation of the church and begin a whole new timetable in God's message. But on, from Pentecost, 2,000 plus years ago, to this present day, the Holy Spirit is the preeminent ministry as far as the Godhead is concerned. What's his ministry? He indwells us. He seals us. Uh, he empowers us. He enables us. He illuminates us. He, he warns us. He instructs us. He chastens us. He assures us. He comforts us. It's all the blessed person of the Holy Spirit. It's not till the New Testament epistles written to the church uh, and to individuals that we can completely understand his position. You couldn't understand his position if you read just the Old Testament. You could not completely understand his position if you read the Gospels. But as God illuminated, uses the Spirit of God in the epistles, from, from, uh, right from the book of Acts, right down through the book of Jude, we read about the blessed Holy Spirit and we read about his function in what we know to be the great tribulation period, the book of the Revelation. We understand it all. We understand it all because God has given it to us to understand. And we can only understand through his illumination. The, 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 the unsaved person cannot understand the program of God. They cannot comprehend it. It's, it's spiritual, God says, neither can they know it. Why? The God of this age has blinded their minds, lest they believe the glorious gospel of Christ. And so the Spirit of God, his uh, ministry began at Pentecost, and it is until this day. Now, in the, as in the book of Acts, in, in most of Paul's epistles, if nearly all Paul's epistles written, he, he gives us the doctrinal, he gives us the, the teaching of the truth, the theology of God in his first uh, several sections of, of an epistle. And then as it gets toward the end of the epistle, he begins to give us function, how to work, how to, how to use this information to honor the glorious God of the universe. And so that's what we're coming to in the book of Romans together. Would you turn with me, please, to the book of Romans in chapter 8? In Romans chapter 8 now, this, 
this member of the triune Godhead is being mentioned by the Apostle Paul to the glory of God the Father and God the Son, the triune God himself, the Holy Spirit, has a, a glorious work in our life. Now, Paul, of course, has been uh, encouraging or admonishes his, his readers uh, concerning an earthly battle. This is not a battle with sticks and knives and swords or guns. This, this is a battle that takes place in the lives of Christians. And we would call it a battle with the old nature and the new nature. And we're going to see this as he progresses through this. The earthly battle of this, this old nature. Look at, keep your hand here, we're going right back. Romans 7, 22. Paul's writing, I believe, as a Christian here, and he's talking about this battle that goes on in the inner man. And he says this in verse 22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man, the, the new man. I, I relish God's word. I love God's word. I recognize it's God who's speaking, and I see how he worked through uh, the Mosaic law. I see how he worked uh, through the prophets and the historians. I see how he worked through the word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I see all that. I delight in the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Why, oh, why does this happen? Why is this battle going on? I see this. How can I have any help? Perhaps you're here today and you think, there's no help. I'm stuck with myself. I don't know why. I can't stop doing this. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. If you are habitually involved in some sinful practice, it's not that you can't, it's that you won't stop because you can stop. How do we see that? Well, look at verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. See, I can... Turn this over to the Spirit of God who will work through me, empower me, give me the strength, the comfort to walk a life that's well-pleasing to God. It can happen. See, he says in verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? How can I, how can I have victory over this? Oh, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his power. It's not your power. We're not talking about turning over a new leaf here. We're not talking about straightening up my act. We're talking about reliance upon the blessed person, the Spirit of God, using the Word of God to direct me into a right relationship with Him. Everything else, everything that causes me to walk astray, away from the living God, away from His Word, is my flesh. It has nothing to do with God at all, ever. God cannot be tempted with sin, neither will he tempt any man. Every man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, every person. I wish I could blame other people. Uh, I try to. I blame Nance for my problems. God gave it to me to show me that it's you. It's you, and it's every one of us. So we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. If you're born again today, you have the indwelling Spirit. You cannot lose him. He sealed you. You, you cannot get rid of him. He's constantly in you. 
The only thing you can do is grieve him with your lack of attention to God's word and, and God's will. Grieve not the spirit of God whom you were sealed until the day of redemption. So let's go on now if we can in Romans chapter 8, please, if we will. We're going to pick it up right in, uh, we'll pick it up right in verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to live, uh, sorry, not to the flesh, but to live after the spirit. I'm reading from a modified uh, King James Bible here. But recognize we're not debtors. We don't owe the flesh anything. We don't owe the flesh anything. What we, what we are committed to is the spirit of God. It has been said, I read this again this week, uh, I've heard it so many times, it has been said, the old nature knows no law, and the new nature needs no law. Because we have the Holy Spirit to guide us, to direct us. It's not by the works of the law, but by faith of the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ we can uh, survive, we can continue on, we can flourish in this life. The flesh, the old nature, leads us into sinful impulses. Your old nature will only drag you down. It does it in two ways. I know this from experience, so you can take my word for it. Probably most of you would have to say the same thing. First, he that leads us into sinful impulses, anger, wrath, malice, being tied to certain things of this world, he that leads you in that way. Or the old man will lead you into some pious self-righteousness that you start thinking you're better than everyone else. I, th I, th I think I, I told you, um, I worked at the Charlestown Navy in Boston, I, and I was an apprentice there. I had classes, and we were right under the Mystic River Bridge. And under the Mystic River Bridge is where we had our classes, and our classrooms looked out under the bridge, and, and under the bridge there were all kinds of of uh, derelicts living in cardboard boxes in the middle of the winter. It was a horrible, horrible scene. But every once in a while, you would see one of these derelicts invade the property of another derelict and steal his wine bottle from him and run and run. And I could just picture in my mind that this wino saying, I'm better off than he is, you see. No, no, you're still a derelict, you see. And even though you might clean up your act, you might not do the things you used to do. If you don't have the spirit of God, you're still derelict from God. You're still headed for eternal damnation. You cannot escape the judgment of God. And your old man will think that you're clean. I cleaned up my act a little. See, I, I'm out here this morning. I'm really something. Or I read my Bible two weeks ago on a Thursday. I remember it specifically. Or, or, or I did a good thing for someone. I never stomp on bunnies. I love everything, you know. And our old nature will try to convince us how good we are. But, you know, you had to die. And the Lord Jesus Christ had to die in your place so that you could die. He paid that price. You didn't get yourself saved and you can't clean yourself up. He's the only one that can do it. He's the only one. And so... The, the, our, our, our old nature, our old self will either lead us into sinful, uh, despicable things of works of the flesh, or it will lead us into self-righteousness, both of which are not pleasing to God. It doesn't please God at all. So it's imperative, it's imperative that we recognize and, and, 
sometimes it takes a long time to come to this. You were saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and not by works of righteousness which you have done. The Bible says it's according to the spirit that he saved us. It had nothing to do with you. You just grabbed the whole of the lifeline and said, I believe that Jesus Christ died in my place. You were not spectacular at all. And may I say this? Now you are, if you're in Christ. You're a spectacular son of the living God. But you need to walk worthy of the vocation to which you were called. How do you do that? Well, the Spirit of God, remember, uses the Word of God to illuminate our hearts. And so you say, well, I don't know what to do. That means you haven't been reading your Bible because he tells you what to do. He tells you very plainly, very clearly what to do, how to walk uh, that, uh, a life that is well-pleasing to God, and it's always through his, his Spirit. Okay, now... Let's look at verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But, my uh, King James says, but if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the flesh, you shall live. So uh, our eternal security is based upon him. Our salvation was, was his work through our life as we submitted to the word of God. And now, to live a life that's, that uh, is contrary to that, Paul calls into question the very nature of that person. Is that person really a child of God? He says in verse 14, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know what that means? Those who are not, are not. Now, we're not... We're not Again, please understand, we're not talking about cleaning up my act here. Please understand that. It's not something that uh, I produce, but something the Spirit of God produces. You have to admit, all the candidates look good on the screen. On the screen, they all look good. And in public, I could even look good. See? And to your friends, maybe you look good. But only God searches the heart. Only he knows what's truly going on. And so someone could act like a Christian, though some Christians don't act like it. Some, someone could act like a Christian. They could, they could put on some kind of false presence. They could even pick up some of the language and, and say, praise the Lord, and things like that. But that does not mean they're Christians. If they continually live after the flesh, if they're just continually interested in in the things of the world and not the Spirit of God, Paul questions whether they really have the Holy Spirit or not. He says, but we, through the Spirit, verse 13, do mortify the works or the deeds of the body, you shall live. What does that mean? It means simply put it to death. Uh, the Spirit of God wants to use the Word of God in your life to, to extract you from that. You're, Positionally, you're in Christ. Positionally, you're in him. You're secure. You're safe. But what's your condition like as a Christian? You need to mortify the flesh, put to death the things of, of the flesh. How can I do that? Well, again, the only reliance is the Holy Spirit. 
He is the machinery. I'm a machinist. I'm, I'm interested in machinery. He's the gearing. He's the machinery. But the word of God is the oil, the fuel, you see. And the machinery, the Holy Spirit wants to use the fuel of the word of God to give you victory in this life. You can have one, the Holy Spirit, but if you don't use his power, if you do not use his resource, the word of God, to illuminate your heart, you'll live a life of misery as a Christian. You'll just, outwardly, you'll pretend as if everything's okay. We don't want people to think we're um, down and downhardened all the time. We don't want that, so we smile. But inside, you'll know there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Paul said, mortify or put to death. So the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to illuminate us, to show us. You can, I won't have you do that, uh, but if you could uh, look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 at a later date, uh, you'll see what Paul's talking about. Again, a section that mentions the Spirit of God. Uh, this God illuminates, that is, he brings to... The forefront, he opens up, if you would, the understanding, the eyes of our understanding, that we can understand what God's word now says. And as you're reading God's word, the spirit of God uses that in your life. This is, this is the path you've been going down. You need to get back on this path. This is the right way. This is the, this is the, the narrow way. This is what God's looking for uh, from your life. We have not received the spirit of the uh, world, Paul says, but the spirit who's a who is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us. Not in the uh, wisdom which man's wisdom teaches, not words that men say. Uh, Pastor Rob can get up here every week and say wonderful, wonderful things, but if he doesn't teach the Bible, what are they? Just good things. Just good things. But when a man gets up and teaches the word of God, that's the Spirit of God using his word to give us direction in our life. Not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but the, which uh, the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. I think the ESV says interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual truths. You can't learn all about the Holy Spirit in the, in the Old Testament. You can't learn all about the Holy Spirit in the Gospels. But when you put them all together, together, what a package you get, you see. God compares this with this. God compares this with this. And he uses all of that information to cause us to, what we would say, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, it's possible for you to be completely born again, a New Testament Christian, and be very weak in the faith. And only you can decide that. We can't do it for you. We can't tell you anything different. The Spirit gives us discernment, the Bible tells us, the Holy Spirit. And Paul goes on to say that. Notice in verse 14, he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So the Spirit of God gives us discernment. And discernment for what? Well, that this thing could be a problem. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit do that in your life? You're thinking in a direction, you're thinking in, a, in an area, and just all of a sudden, through, through your daily Bible reading, or, or through, through the scriptures, or by even another Christian saying something to you, you think, 
I shouldn't go in that direction. That's not a good place. And every one of us, every one of us who knows the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior has that experience. If you don't, you better think about your life. You say, well, I always seem to get in trouble. It's probably because you're not listening to the Lord. <laughs> it's probably because you're not uh, adhering to his word. He wants to keep us in a, in a worthy walk for him. And he'll do that by this illumination of the word. He gives us discernment. I won't have you turn there, but in Philippians chapter 1, this I pray, Paul says to the church, that your love may abound yet more and more in all knowledge and all discernment. See, well, as a Christian, what am I doing? I'm just to love. That's all. That's all God wants from me. Love. By this shall all men that know you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Well, yeah, kind of. But love has parameters around it, right? I'm not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world. There's parameters around that. I just can't love everything and, and everybody. Why? Because God warns me about such. Withdraw yourself, he tells us. Be careful about this. There's parameters that God places. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in truth. So though I, I'm a born-again believer, the Spirit of God says to me, listen, this area you need to be careful of. And how do I know that? I read it through his word. Through his word. God gives me his word to, to give me that um, Direction through the Spirit of God, we have discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent, not just the good things. You can live your whole life doing good things, but God says He wants us to seek the things that are the best. And the best. And what's the best? Serving Him. That's the best thing. All these other things, though, are okay and they're actually even good. But what's the best? I'm involved heavily in the church here, as you probably know, and, and for example, the food pantry and, and, um, and other ministries. But, uh, you know, that's a good thing. I go and pick up hundreds of pounds of meat. I go and sort out that meat. I take the chicken feet and throw them in the dumpster, you know. Uh, <laughs> Or the pigtail, or a pig's ear. If you want them, just let me know. I'll put them aside for you. But uh, I throw those things in the dumpster. And my wife and I diligently work. That's a, I, that's a good thing, don't you think? I think it is. Even if you don't, I think it is. It's a good thing. But listen, there's more important things than that. If I did all that and was not interested in reading God's word, it's all wood, hay, and stubble. The Spirit of God wants to lead you into the Excellent things, the best things. And so he gives us discernment. He, he wants us to recognize that uh, there's a direction we should walk in. Now, again, again, we, we don't have time to look at this completely, but turn with me, if, please, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. And look with me, please, at verse uh, 17, please, Ephesians 4, 17. Lord willing, you'll see the context of this in the book of Romans. But he says in verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Conduct yourself, abide. Don't 
don't get involved with those things. They can be all right, but there's more important things for you as a New Testament Christian. What do they do? Well, they have their understanding darkened. They're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feelings have given themselves over to lasciviousness, a life without restraint. That's the term used here. If it feels good, do it. If you think that way, it's okay. Your truth isn't my truth, necessarily. And do you know that's true? Your truth is not my truth. I might believe something totally different than you, but you know what? Each of us, between the two of us, our truth doesn't matter a bit unless it's based upon this book. It's got to be based upon this book. And that's why we have a world telling high school kids that they can make a decision for the rest of their life concerning even their natural uh, sex. Think about that. This kid's belly button isn't even dry yet. And this telling him that he can make a decision. It's, it's frightening to think about. But that's the world, is it not? That's the world. What is it? Lascivious. Living according to their own lusts in any way they choose. That's the world. But what does God say to us? Verse 20 of Ephesians uh, chapter 4. But you have not so learned Christ. You know better. You know better. And to give any credibility to those people is an insult in the face of God. You know better. You have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. You see, Paul, though, I, this is not, my purpose is not to put you on a guilt trip. Please understand that, because if I put you on a guilt trip, you're in more trouble now than you've ever been. But Paul is not putting people on a guilt trip. He's just letting people know, listen, if this is not so in your life, maybe you're not saved. Maybe you're not a Christian at all. If so be, you have heard of him and have been taught by him. Why? Because the truth is in him. Just, just Paul throwing that out to his audience. Now, this is a church filled with great people, the church at Ephesus. Filled with wonderful people, we would say, the church at Ephesus. But is it possible that there were some people there who did not know the G Lord Jesus Christ as Savior? Yeah, it is. It is. Just like it's entirely possible that here this morning, there may be people sitting among us. Maybe they've been with us for a while. Maybe they just came in the door. I do not know that, but I know this. It's possible that you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and that you are playing church. It can happen anywhere. Well, Paul, let us know. Okay, what do you do then? If you've been taught by the Lord Jesus, okay, that you put off concerning the former manner of life, the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The spirit of God using the word of God will convince your mind. That's the illumination of God's word. And what will happen? And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. See, it's not you. It's not you. It's him. It's all about him all the time. But you have a, 
a responsibility to forsake that and to turn to him. You're saved. You're going to heaven. And if you go after that thing, which all of us fall prey to times in our life, you need to confess that sin. For he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and get back on that walk that's pleasing in his sight. He says, verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Turn back with me to Romans 8 now. Now, you can also read that same thing in the book of Colossians. To walk in the new man, to put off the old man, to walk in the new man. That's what you were. Don't go back there. That, that's, that's what you used to be, you see. You, that, that thing is still around. Get rid of it. I know that I've told you this, and so please forgive me, but uh, when we were in Maine, we went to a, a, a farm, and we used to get our milk at a farm. Wonderful, wonderful guy let us go up there, and, and, he's, and uh, he, the milk would be in these big bins, and we would, uh, we would mix it up so the cream and the milk mixed together, and we'd get our bottles of milk when we lived in Maine. It was a wonderful thing. They say, well, you could have got diseases. Yeah, but I didn't, so forget that. Anyway, <clears throat> Uh, we, but one day that man invited us to his house and he said, some of my cows just had calves. He said, want to see them? And I brought my two kids. We only had two at the time. We brought two kids and we went in and we saw the calves in the barn. And all oh, the beautiful calves. It was in the early spring, which in Maine is winter. We're in the early spring. And I got home with the two kids. And we mommy, we saw we saw the baby cows, and the kids were all excited, and she said, you guys stink. You smell horrible. And we did. We just didn't, you know, all the urine and, and, and everything from the cows soaked into our coats. And, and we put it, and I, I put my coat in the closet. And I go, oh, I got to wash that thing later. I put it in the closet, and Nancy washed the kids up and scrubbed them. I was on my own. Uh, about a week later, about a week later, I opened the closet door, and there was that stinking coat. Smelled exactly the same as it did the day I took it off. That's the old man. That's the old man. If you walk in the flesh, you're putting that thing on. It's filthy. It's corrupt. And it's a stink in the nostrils of God. But you have a choice. You can put that on, or you can be washed by the gracious word of God, the blessed word of God. We have a choice. Okay, Romans chapter 8 again now, if we can, please. He says, verse 14, For as many as have been led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The willingly led, those who choose, I want to do God's will, I want to hear God's word, I know, I know, I believe on on the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, you have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. This is such an excellent passage of Scripture. The indication here, uh, very, very beautifully, he, he says, we, you're not under bondage. You were a slave to sin. There's nothing you could do but sin. Romans tells us that. 
There's nothing you could do but sin. You were a slave to sin. But now, you need no longer be a slave to sin. You have, you have freedom. Again, I would repeat to you, it's not that you can't stop that or not do that. It's that you won't stop that or not do that. You can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But if I try in my flesh, I, as a young man, I used to smoke cigars. I love cigars. And I would always have, Nancy has pictures of me and don't ask to see them because I was pretty nasty looking, but she said uh, that cigars, and I always had a little cigar in my mouth. I used to work in machine shops, and I always had a cigar, and I hardly even lit it, but I would once in a while, and then I would, when I smell a cigar today, my mind just runs back. I follow the guy all around the store. Boy, that's a good smelling cigar. (laughs) But listen, I became a slave to those things. I became a slave to those things. And, and I tried giving them up several times. They didn't have patches and stuff back then. I just tried giving them up. And I'd find myself going back to my cigar. And one day, I just turned it all over to the Lord. I said, Lord, I, I can't do it. I, I, I can't do it. I, I, I give up. I got a lump in my throat. You couldn't see it externally. It was internal. And I went to the doctors and he said, you have a small thing there. We're going to watch out for this. This is pretty serious stuff. I guess so. Here I am in my 20s. and little, Little kids, you know, and all this stuff. And okay, Lord. And I said, Lord, I got the message. I get it now. And I was able to stop because of the spirit in my life. There are others who do other things. I understand that. But realize that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With me, it was one thing. With you, it might be another. To someone else, it may be totally something else. But recognize, you're not under bondage to anything in this world. You're not under bondage. You have the power of the creator God in your life who can give you the victory over these. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can have the victory over anything in this world. Why? Because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's him working. And so that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. What does that mean? Well, we're almost out of time here, so I'll I'll end it just as, as quickly as possible. What does this mean? Well, It means I've been placed into, look if you would at verse 16, verse 15, Romans 8, 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You've been placed in to the family of God, a full sonship, complete, an heir of the king. All his glory, all his power, Everything you possess it all via the Spirit of God in you. And by that, we, we cry, Abba, Father. The, 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 word, um, the word, some of us would say, Daddy. Some of us would just say, Dad. It's a, it's a cry of intimacy. Only my children, only the ones whom I love and whom I've given essentially permission to can call me Dad. Only those 
Only the intimate ones in my life can call me dad because I'm their father. And only those who know Jesus Christ as their savior can call him dad, can call him intimately. He belongs to him. And the spirit bears witness. How does he, how does he bear witness? You have the peace of God which passes all understanding. Are there problems in your life? You better believe there are. And if there isn't, the devil's going to make sure that he brings them in. And God's going to allow some of them to come through. Why? Because the testing of your faith works patience. But as you turn that over to God, as you turn that over to his will and his way, as you turn that over by the word of God to the living God, he will give you a peace that will pass all understanding. That's how the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. And you know what Paul ends up saying? As he looks at it all, and believe me, this guy had a lot more problems than you have. If you want to take some time, I'll sit down with you and we can compare our terrible problems we have. Everyone has a sad story to tell. You make me cry for a little while, I'll make you cry for a little while, we'll both go away happy, you know. Paul said, no, that's not it. Verse, seven, verse 18 he says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. You see, if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you took on a, an enemy, a deadly enemy, called Satan himself and his demonic beings. The moment you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, and the minute you live for him, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And for some believers, as hard as this is for them, I recognize this, it could even be within their own household. It could even be that. But recognize it's part of this life. See what he says in verse 17? If children, then your heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. This life is not easy if I walk in my flesh. But if I walk in the spirit, the word of God brings me back and says, the sufferings of this present time aren't even worthy to be compared. No matter what it is, God will give you the grace that you need through his spirit, by his word, to deal with it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this section of scriptures. And we know, Father, it was not adequately dealt with necessarily, but we pray that you'd use Pastor Rob and others as we teach through these books to illuminate even more. Father, these are difficult times that we live in, and they're only difficult because men have made them so. In the last days, perilous times shall come because men will be lovers of their own selves. And we see the fallout from all of that, Lord. They walk in the flesh. They could care less about Christ-like things. Yea, Father, we are living, as it were, in the days of Noah. And we know, Father, that you once destroyed that world by water. And you have promised that one day you will again judge the world by fire. 
And we pray, Father, and recognize as we sit in between those judgments as New Testament Christians, that we would walk worthy of the vocation to which we are called, that we would honor you with our lives, that we might read the word of God and allow the spirit of God to work, not in the power of our flesh. We have no confidence in the flesh. We have no confidence in the things that were done before, like the Apostle Paul. They're all but a, a dung heap. But we recognize, Lord, in the power of the Spirit of God, you can give us your grace, your strength, your illumination, your power, your might, and that we can honor you. Thank you for this time together. We pray these things until we meet again tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.